All right, the readings here are for December 29th, fifth day within the octave of the Nativity of the Lord. So, entrance antiphon. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that all who believe in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. And we're going to go into the Gloria. Actually, first we're going to do the uh, uh, the act of penance. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me and with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We we praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, let's begin here. I'm going to go right into the reading here. This is again from the letter of, first letter of St. John. Those who love their brother remain in the light. Uh, first letter of St. John, chapter 2, verse 3 to 11. Beloved, the way we, we, the way we may be sure that we know Jesus is to keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, the love of God is truly perfected in him. This is the way we may know that we are in union with him. Whoever claims to abide in him ought to walk just as he walked. Beloved, I am writing no new commandment to you, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard, and yet I do write a new commandment to you, which holds true in him. And among you, for the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light, yet hates his brother, is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother, brother remains in the light.
and there is nothing in him to cause a fall. Whoever hates his brother is in darkness. He walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The darkness has blinded his eyes. It is so hard, isn't it, to keep your your emotions in check? I in in one of the the earliest one I mentioned about um, going to confession and confessing your sins. In our society, we are we put our emotions first. And it's pretty much like the cart before the horse. Because we want our emotions. You know, we've been taught by a post-modernist society to focus on me. Me, me, me. Not saying that emotions are not justifiable and are not valid. The problem is, is that you're not solving the problem. When we get angry, and this happens with me, I'm not perfect. I, everybody, we want, we want to be heard. We want people to know how we feel. Nobody likes to be made to feel like crap. Nobody likes to be treated like crap. Nobody likes to, to be overlooked and treated as nothing. But the problem is, is that we're taught that emotions is everything. Feelings is everything. Getting hurt. The thing is, you got to put the facts first, the objective first before your feelings. Technically, like in, in, in the Bible, if you ever notice, you'll never hear the word feelings. You'll never hear Jesus saying, asking the apostles, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip and Matthew, how do my words make you feel? Never, never, because feelings change. Feelings are abstract. There's no, it's, it's only a, 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 a subjective thing. And it's not saying that there, you know, that there is no validity to them. But you have to look at the problem. The objective is the problem. The first thing that's that, that, that's troubling you. Your feelings are a result of a lot of different things. You know, the psychological state of your mind. What is going on with you? What is troubling you? It may, it, you may think it's this problem, but it's really the other problem. It could be that you just, you know, you just don't know if you're ready for something. There's a lot of different ways we can look at it. But when the problem is when someone gets you angry and someone has offended you and someone has, has uh, violated your wishes, has done something that, that is unjustifiable, that's different. You've got to put the problem. You've got to look at the, the, the objective problem first. Feelings can be, you know, can sometimes be that people just, you know, are not ready, are not handling the problem correctly. It could be that you're just, you know, it's a whole bunch of different factors. It's difficult to say.
hating somebody, hating somebody unreasonably. And I've met people that are like that, that just hate, hate somebody. They're filled with a lot of hate and they will do things that are really out of place and extreme. There's a lot of people like that. They could do a lot of vile things. And if you, you don't want to be one of those people, you don't want to be one of those people because if you do it once, God help you if you do it again. God help you if you do it, even if you go even further above. Because a lot of times people let their feelings rule their logic and reason and they go overboard. And that's the problem with our society. This is why we've, we've, we've been, for the last couple of years, things have gotten very bad. Because a lot of the kids have been taught to think with their feelings rather than their logic and reason. And this is why feelings, I mean, think about it. We've heard people like say, oh, religion is the opium of the people. No, no, no. <laughs> There's a lot of things that are opium of the people. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll are the opium of the people. Um, you know, our society can have a whole bunch of other things that can be the opium of the people. But religion often teaches you to, to and proper religion, proper, proper education can teach you how to think. Religion can do the same thing. It can teach a person shame. Shame is another important thing. There's no shame in our society. Not shame in an unreasonable way, but shame as in your dignity. Your your you know, you know, to 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 control yourself, not to not to do things out of passion, uncontrolled passion, and to get attention in an in an unreasonable way. There's a lot of things we need to learn. Morality is a very important thing. Self-respect is a very important thing. Dignity is an important thing because you're made in the image and likeness of God. But a lot of times our schools and our societies, especially with sex, especially since we live in a society that is extremely lonely, especially when people are obsessively on TikTok and other social media, you know, constantly taking pictures of themselves and posting them. You know, this, this this ridiculous form of narcissism. That's another thing. Emotions and over overchecked emotions are narcissism. Ridiculous form of narcissism. Very dangerous. All right. Um, but we have to put Christ in front of us. Christ has to be the role model. Christ needs to be the role model. The role model before us. He is the one. Him, the apostles, the saints. To imitate him, walk like him, think like him, act like him. Not a holier-than-thou attitude. But to, to follow him. As he says, follow me. Okay? Listen to me. Listen to my voice. He who listens to me, obeys my commandments, is like one who builds his house on a rock. Meaning you're unsteady, you're steady and you're not letting, no storm can knock you down. No, no 
nothing can change you. You, you're, you're, you're balanced and you're walking the straight and narrow way, picking up your cross and following him. These are the things. Christ is the answer. And loving him and admitting that we are sinners and not hating people, not letting our passions get the, get control of our reasoning. And you can love something and love it properly. Not letting something, your passions control you and destroy you. Those things, you have to follow in the footsteps of Christ. Simple as that. All right. Alleluia, alleluia. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. Okay, this is from Luke chapter 2, verse 32. And then a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. This is the light of revelation to the Gentiles. Chapter 2, verse 22 to 35. Okay. When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of two of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the, with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law, he, he, he in regard to him, he took him, into his arms and bless God saying, Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. Mine own eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared in the sight of every people. A light to reveal, to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be they'll be contradicted and you yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This particular, um, I guess it's, it's called the candle, candle mass. You know, when Christ was, was to be presented because the light of the world, the light unto the Gentiles, the revelation for the Gentiles and everything with the purification of Mary. Um, but think about it. Think about 
this um, this holy man who waited. I mean, this is the only words we have from him. The only words, and we got it from the Blessed Mother. Because Mary kept all these things in her heart. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine this, this, this holy man who waited for so long and walked up, mysteriously just came out of nowhere. No one paid attention to him, most likely. No one gave him a thought. And he just walked over and took the, the our blessed Lord in his arms. And held him. And he knew because the Holy Spirit, God promised him that he would not see death until he sees the light, until he sees the Messiah, the Christ. And, and this basically just was, was everything for him. His whole life was for this moment. Remarkable. And Mary and Joseph stood there. I mean, they already, they already seen and been through so much. And it seems like one mystery upon another mystery upon another mystery. And this is not over yet, right? It's not over because soon, in you know, he's only 40, he's only about 40, uh, 40 days old, I think. And the, the wise men haven't arrived yet. They haven't arrived yet to, 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 to Bethlehem. This hasn't, the, the wise men has, have not taken place. But this, this event, and Joseph and Mary just don't know yet if they can go back to Nazareth. They don't know if that was, you know, if, if they should go back to Nazareth because, <clears throat> you know, people talking and everything like that. And who knows, maybe the gossip, maybe Joseph just wasn't too sure. Maybe they're supposed to remain in Bethlehem. And then, of course, you know, we haven't heard her. We, she's not mentioned here. Anna, the prophetess, but she is another one, a, a holy, righteous woman who also has been promised to see the Messiah. But this here, and then the words he says to Mary, a sword shall pierce your heart so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The sword shall pierce your heart so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You think Protestants think about that? You think they take that word? You think they take this passage there's so much in here, in the, in that one line. I mean, it's just, it's not even a, a lot. A sword shall pierce your heart so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. This is where this, this passage ends, just there. And the fact that, think about it. Mary kept all these things. She treasured all these things in her heart. This is the verse that keeps repeating itself because Mary witnessed all these events and she would treasure all this in her heart. She kept all of it in her heart. 
She wanted to keep it, keep it all, ponder on it. And this would help her as in time, I believe, it would be revealed to her that her son would become a sacrifice, that he would die. And I believe St. Joseph helped her through this guided her through this. I think he, his mind, you know, he, he guided to her through this. And I believe the Holy Spirit, we got to remember the Holy Spirit himself is her spouse and he guided her through this. She had to, you know, infuse knowledge. She would gain this, gain understanding. Passage of scripture she would hear in the synagogue from the Torah. revelation given to her. Maybe, you know, in time she knew this would, and she has to, this was the challenge she has to accept because she herself had to be there and she herself had to willingly, with her son, sacrifice, give him up. You know, it's impossible to think that she came, that this, that she didn't know this was going to happen. To disregard her like this and to dismiss her so easily is, I think, an injustice to our Lord, an injustice to Him. And it's not true love. Our Lord kept the commandments perfectly. Honor thy father and thy mother. He honored His Father in heaven, and His Father in heaven, He also honored Him through St. Joseph, who God the Father saw Himself through the manhood of St. Joseph. And he honored his mother as well, perfectly. The commandments he kept. And this is something we have to be aware of. All right, let's uh, move on from there. All right, here's a, here's another one. Um, I'm going to combine several of the readings to get today. First letter of St. John, chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. Those who do who do the will of God remain forever. A reading from the first letter of St. John. I'm writing to you, children, because you, your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have, you have conquered the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, sensual lust, enticement for the eyes, and a pretentious life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Yet the world and the enticements are passing away. But whoever does the will of God remains forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is important. This is this is also important because John the Apostle is writing this. I think he's a much older man and he's seen a lot. And he's witnessed the first generation of the church, and he's probably witnessed the second and third generations of the church, the young, the 
you know, those those early days and witness the persecution. But all this because you gotta we gotta think about it. We live in a very materialistic world. And also our attention span is terrible because of of the uh, the phones and because the internet and you know uh, and and we have so much that distracts us and people don't like to read but we live in a very materialistically and very sensual world and we also people are going to become extremely lonely and people are going to suffer a lot of uh, psychological damage Already they're talking about how people are lonely now because of the loss of families, the absence of families and the absence of of children. And there's no joy in people's lives. People are, are regretting not having families there, you know, and everything. Because we got all these people talking about population control and they don't really... You know, whatever it is, I don't know why they're obsessed with it. They they think they want to believe they're saving the world and they're not. And I think it's a lot of it is out of hatred. And a lot, a lot of it is out of contempt. And I think a lot of it comes from elitism and power. But <clears throat> there's so many elderly people now already, like in Japan, there's a high suicide rate. A lot of depression, a lot of unhappiness. You need, we need to become closer to God. We need to also not love the world. The world doesn't love us. Okay? It's like, it's funny, there's this movie that came out, it's a total flop, but it has an interesting premise. It's called Babylon. It's about the early days of Hollywood. And the film begins with a horrible orgy, uh, a but this this horrible, disgusting thing happens in the film. I won't mention it, but the point is, it it shows how much people, for pleasure, for materialism, for lust, for for having it all, they're willing to destroy themselves, destroy themselves. They're willing to destroy themselves so they can have it. And they can have immortality because they want to be remembered forever. Because there's a fear of death and a fear of their mortality. And so on the screen, they will always be young. You know, you could watch something. You can see the difference between yourself six months from now. And you can see the age difference. You A year, 10, 15 years from now, they can see themselves remain young and they can see how they got older. And it bothers them because they want to remain forever. They want that immortality. And Hollywood, the movies, was, was it for a lot of them. Fame and to be loved. <coughs> Technically, that's what it is. That's the reason why someone becomes a, a, a politician. It's a reason why someone, you know, you know, wants to remember like an art because they want to, they want their creativity to be remembered. They want people to talk about them generations from now. But quickly, as soon as they rise up to that fame, they lose it. They love the world, but the world doesn't love them. 
They they love the fame, but fame doesn't love them. It's the same thing with, with every, with with all these people, including politicians, including emperors and kings and whatever you want to call it. They all want it. And the problem is, it will destroy them in the process. And they they just don't really think about their sickness in their own soul. There's no satisfaction. There's no happiness. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, sensual lusts, enticements for the eyes, and pretentious life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Yet the world and, it, and its enticements are passing away. But whoever does the will of God remains forever. God is all that you need. Everything you need. The world, everything in it is not going to make you happy. And yet you see that you see this in, 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 in them, this obsession to have it all. And yet even when you do have it, you're not happy. You know, it's funny, like I always, outside noise, a car, everything that you want is not everything that you want. The material things, yeah, the money is good. Everybody needs money. Everybody has to pay the bills. But remember the words of Christ, you know, do not worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep what you're going to wear. Your heavenly father knows you need these things even before you ask him. Or what profits of man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What would a man give for the price of his soul? And when you get it, are you happy? No. You know, no. No. All these things. And Jesus said to himself, whoever gives up land, wealth, family, whoever leaves it all behind will gain a hundred times more in the kingdom of heaven. It's scary. But this is why you have we have to trust in him. And remember the parable of the sower. You know, the seeds on one ground and the birds, ravens come and they steal it away. It's the devil stealing the word of God from your heart. Others fall into a uh, a, a rocky ground, but they didn't have enough root or soil in it that it withers away. You know, and that one basically because of the, uh, uh, you know, persecution or something as soon as it comes and they, they quickly give up the word and others fall among the thorns and because the thorn, you know, they grow, but the thorns choked it away. And that's basically, you know, all the love, the lust and the promises of the world choke the word of God out of them. And then the, the other one falls into a good soil and it grows a thousand times more and produces more fruit. That, that's the kind we have to, and that means you produce it in your life. You produce it also by sharing the word of God with others and showing others the way.
That's the love of the Father. Regardless what the world, what the world promises. Even if the world persecutes you and you give in and you and you renounce Christ, do you think that just you're, you're going to be happy? You think they're going to leave you alone? Do you think they're not, you know, that you, you know, you, your conscience are going to be clear? No, they would probably kill you anyway, even when you do renounce him. But if you keep to him and stay with him and not renounce him and endure, the promises are going to be far greater than we could ever imagine. That's endurance of faith. That's enduring all persecution. And even to the point of death, we we have we have it easier than any other times in human history. But we also have it far far harder for us because we, you know, we live more materialistically than other ages. Very dangerous, extremely dangerous. All right, let's move on. Okay. This is from the Gospel of Luke. Alleluia, alleluia. A holy day has dawned upon us. Come, you nations, and adore the Lord. Today a great light has come upon the earth. Alleluia, alleluia. Luke. I'm reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke chapter 2. Verse 36 to 40. She spoke about the child to all when we're, when, when we're waiting the redemption of Jerusalem. She spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Amen. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanul, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband and after her marriage and then as a widow until she was 84 she never left the temple but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer and coming forward at that very time she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem when they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Of course, Luke doesn't mention here about the wise men. He doesn't mention that, but that's not necessary because it was already mentioned by Matthew. And Luke is writing from another perspective. And naturally, of course, he didn't want to repeat himself. I mean, of course, yes. Would it have been better if they put it all together and it all like, you know, or he made mention, even if he made a short mention of it, it would have been great. But this is not the point. We can, you know, the Lord wants us to put it all together ourselves and that's why we have four Gospels, and it was meant to be that way. But the main point here is Anna. The point is that in Simeon, you met one old man, a prophet. Simeon was a prophet. Anna was a prophetess. Why? Why these two people? Why are they mentioned? 
And why was it so important that it would happen all at the temple? Now, all this, obviously, is to show us that Jesus is Jewish and that his world, his spiritual world, was a Jewish spiritual world. And in that, and that, that world was not as simple as you wanted. It was very different than the Jewish world, the Jews today. They don't have a temple. This is temple Judaism. Today it's not temple Judaism. It's rabbinical Judaism. And very different from the Judaism of the past. But this definitely was a very holy and very, very complex world. It wasn't all black and white. It wasn't all the way we want to picture it. As a matter of fact, we can't put it all in one, in one, in one, you know, box. You can't, you can't frame it all in one, in one image. It was very complex and far more different. And maybe, maybe in many ways we could be over, over complicating it in some cases than it is today. 2,000 years ago, and this is 2,000 years later, I think there's a lot of things even modern-day Judaism doesn't know about ancient Judaism back then in Jesus' day. A very different world. You got the Roman Empire. You got also the Greek intellectuals. You got the pagans around you. You got Alexandria, Egypt. You got Syria. You got the Samaritans with their own version of Judaism. You got the Sadducees and they have their version of Judaism. You got the Zealots with their version of Judaism. And you have the the Pharisees, the different parties of the Pharisees with their version of Judaism. Right? You got the the different classes, the different different sects. The disciplines, you might as well call them. And then you have the Herodians, the, the party of Herod the Great, and their version of Judaism. And then you have the Hellenistic Jews with their version of Judaism. And then you had all the Jews coming from the other nations, like the Jews from Arabia. You got Jews from Ethiopia. All different groups. Yet they came to one temple, one temple in Jerusalem, and they worshipped in that one temple. All right. And that itself shows you, as complicated as it might be, you have to remember they all came to one temple because there's only one God. And they also have the scriptures that showed you how united they were as well as that they were divided in many places. Jesus is the light. He was the promise of Israel. He was the promise of Abraham. The promise made to Adam and Eve. The promise made to, to all the generations before Noah and promise made to Noah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all the judges, David, David, all the prophets, all of them were waiting for the promise. And now the promise came. And some people got it. Some people 
you know, saw it and they, they acknowledged it and other people missed missed it. It skipped them somehow. This woman, Anna, was a holy woman. Regardless of all the complexities, she was there. We don't have any words from her. Only the fact that Mary made mention to her. Mary <clears throat> encountered her. There were probably a lot of words said between them that were not recorded. Simeon, we have his words recorded. She might have been there. She might have been standing right next to him when all this happened. Who knows? Maybe she was waiting outside, most likely at the women's court. Maybe not where where uh, the men are. But the point is, she was there. And Mary remembered her. Beautiful event, wonderful event. It stayed in Mary's memory. All right, let's move on from there. All right, I'm going to continue here. This is going to be first letter of St. John, chapter 2, verse 18 to 21. You have the anointing that comes from the Holy One, and you have all, you have all knowledge. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that the Antichrist was coming, so now many Antichrists have have appeared. Thus we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of our number. If they had been, they would have remained with us. Their desertion shows that none of them was of our number but now but you you have the anointing that comes from the holy one and you all have knowledge i write to you not because you do not know the truth but because you do and because every lie is alien to the truth let me read it one more time children it is the last hour and just as you heard that the antichrist was coming so now many antichrists have appeared thus we know this is the last hour they went out from us but they were not really of our number if they had been they would have remained with us their desertion shows that none of them was of our number but you have the anointing that comes from the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you do, and because every lie is alien to the truth. So this is uh, very interesting when he mentions here that the last hour, that it is the last hour, and just as you have heard that the Antichrist was coming. And then he said there were many antichrists. And he's talking about here, I'm, I'm going to take a guess, about apostasy and heresy. Apostasy is to stand and to move away, to move from where you stood, which is apostasy, to abandon. You abandoned the place you stood. Now, heresy is a contradiction of the truth, is a distortion of something. A heretic is someone who remains, but distorts and destroys the truth from within. 
they teach something that is completely wrong. It may be deliberate. It may be that the person, for some reason, hates the truth and distorts it. There's a lot of different ways we can look at it. But the point is, it is important that we understand this, that John here is talking about. Because not long afterward, there were a lot of people... A lot of people appeared that began to corrupt the faith. They began to poison the well. They began to spread lies. And they began to mix the lie with the truth, which obviously comes from the devil who is the Antichrist. Um, he says here, thus we know, uh, there were, he said, so now many Antichrists. Many Antichrists would mean that there are many out there distorting the truth. And uh, and or teaching contrary to the gospel. Thus we know this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of our number. If they had been, they would have remained with us, remained unmoved from the truth. They would not have shifted. They would not have fallen away, but they did. <laughs> they they did not remain with us. Um. Their desertion shows that none of them was of our number. They weren't one of us. They weren't they weren't members of the body. So they are they apostatize and they're heretics. But you have the anointing that comes from the Holy One. Okay, and you all have knowledge. Now this is very interesting. Anointing refers to oil. And anointed one like Christ. Christ is the anointed one. Christ is the one anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came down upon him. And and he says, you have the anointing that comes from the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. We all, all of us who are in the Catholic faith, we can know the faith and we can teach it. It's our duty to teach it, our duty to share it. We've been anointed, we've been anointed, we've been baptized, we've received the Holy Spirit, we have been confirmed, and we all receive this from Christ, who is the Holy One. And we can we can share this with others. Once you have this, you have the knowledge. What is the knowledge? Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ, Son of the Father, only begotten Son of the Father, conceived of the Holy Spirit. True God from true God, begotten not 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 made, is of the is of the Father is the truth, and we have this knowledge. We have the knowledge of the gospel. We have the knowledge of the truth, and we could teach it. That's what he's saying here, and this is important that we know this. Okay, okay. Now the gospel. Alleluia, alleluia. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. To those who accepted him, he gave power to become the children of God. Alleluia, alleluia. Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, verse 14 to 12. And the reading is the gospel according to John. To St. John, the gospel according to St. John, chapter 1, verse 1 to 18. The word became flesh. A reading from the beginning of the gospel of the Holy Gospel according to St. John. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
all things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him. But the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not by the natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory, the glory of the Father's only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who's coming after me ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received, grace in place of grace. Because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only begotten Son of God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Beautiful. The first part matches Genesis. In actuality, you see it also in the Gospel of Matthew, in the beginning of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Genealogy, the beginning or the start of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's the same thing. Mark's Gospel, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not an accident that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John mentions the beginning. He starts off a little different, but he makes mention to the beginning. Those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning, Luke makes that clear. He says that a little lower, you know, a little further down his, his start of his gospel. All right. And that, that's important, but he begins with the, with the, the beginning of the conception of John the Baptist and then he said, and then he starts with the the conception of, of of Jesus Christ and Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. But definitely, uh, it's it's all there. But Mark, John's Gospel was written literally like you could say, almost like he witnessed the second generation of the church of the Christians, and it has a lot of the Greek in it. The word the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word in Greek is logos. It means also logic, reason, understanding. 
And the Greeks themselves believed that the the word word, the word itself, is uh, and um, defines, gives shape and for a shape to the universe, and comprehension. It's power. The word is also power. It's life. It gives meaning and, f and shape to the universe, understanding of things, and that it is God. They did believe that it is, it is a deity. But the problem was among the Greek philosophers, they had a, they, they, there was a lot of difficulty. Was this denying that the other gods exist? No. They sort of came to a, like a, um, a sort of like understanding that all the other gods are only uh, aspects of the word. Kind of a little bit, a little bit similar to Hinduism, because the Hindus do believe there's a one God, and all the other gods are sort of characteristics or aspects of it. They really didn't have a definitive, and you know, some of them didn't want to end up like Socrates, I think. But the point is, the logos is a deity; it's God. But they just couldn't go any further than that. It wasn't until Christianity came along. And then John the Apostle, and I'm sure the other apostles, through the Holy Spirit, as they understood who Jesus of Nazareth is, John here goes right to the heart of it. And he even goes back to Genesis further, even further than the covenant. That there was something more than just the paradise. He, he's something more that you can see and touch. And he basically went into this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life. And this life was the light of the human race. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The word that put the universe together. God spoke. Jesus is the word. He's the second person of the Trinity. Jesus said himself, I and the Father are one and the same. If you see me, you see the Father. Before Abraham was, I am. And I am is the sacred name of God. It's Yahweh. And if you go a little bit further down, in a sense, as you, as you really examine this, as you really go further, you realize how powerful this is. And, and, you know, like you, you're going to get, I mean, it's something to meditate on, to realize the past, present and future. He knows, he knows everything about us. He, he is the word God spoke and you and I came into existence. God spoke and the tree came into existence. God spoke. The mountains came into existence. All of the cosmos, all of reality came into existence in him. Everything. Nothing 
exists without him. Nothing exists without him. It's pretty fantastic when you think about it. It's remarkable. I mean, we can go on forever and he goes on here. He was in the world and the world came to be through him. And the, I'm skipping a few lines. And the, uh, and the world came to be through him. And the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. Okay. And, and it goes on. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become the children of God. And to those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh. This part here, the word became flesh, can be translated. Okay, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Tabernacled is another translation it can be. It can be mean that he tabernacled tabernacled another way the way the aramaic puts it pitched his tent the flesh is looked at as a tent it's a tabernacle and is looked at as a tent but this he here he's making he's alluding to the tabernacle in the wilderness when god had moses construct the portable tabernacle and the ark of the covenant with the mercy seat was inside that was it's it's calling back to that that's what he's really calling back to because any anyone at the time in ancient Israel a Jewish person would know what he's talking about and this this is like a remarkable work it's a remarkable way of thinking you could spend as much time with this the law the law was given to Moses, but faith and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm sure, I don't know if he, um, he, you know, hold on. Let me see here. Okay, I don't think so. I think they, 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 they omitted that part out because it's just so much you can go on forever. I mean, it's just remarkable. It's beautiful. You could, you could meditate on this forever. It's just so much. And you get closer to him every time. You can't write enough on it. You can't, you can write, you can fill all your prayer journals with this. It's just beyond it. I mean, you, you, you know, he constructed words that were so true and beautiful. You know, an uneducated person with no college degree, not even a high school diploma can memorize this. And, 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 and it's just beyond, beyond anything. Uh, here, this is a part I, he did, he did for the, from his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only begotten son of God, who is the father, who is at the father's side has revealed him. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God, 
born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made, and for us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. All right, this is for... Um, Pope Benedict and Pope Francis. Pope Benedict, as you know, has been sick. Uh, so far, they said he was lucid. Um, he's okay. He's stabilized, but still, he's extremely fragile. So let's say a prayer, uh, say this prayer for him, and we'll also say it for Pope Francis, all right? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. And now we're going to say the uh, St. Michael prayer. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in the day of battle. Be our protection against the wild and wicked attacks of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen.